What is up, Fantasyland? We're coming off of a big week 13, one game to go. Some big injuries shifting the powers in the AFC and the NFC. Today we've got a big guess. Let's get to it, guys. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense (laughs) Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I'll always be traded. 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 And I'll always be traded. 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 And I'll always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait em. Bait em. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? Welcome back to our Monday night tailgate. Big guess is an understatement. You know this man from Ship Chasing, co-hosts. You know him from the goodness he drops at NBC Edge Fantasy Football. And you know him from playing probably, I will say, the sweetest take of any solo, acoustic solo, in fantasy football. And we might even cross into other borders. Guys, welcome to the show, Mr. Pat Karain. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, stoked to have you back on, Pat. Um, you know, so much as we were just talking in the pre-show, what a wild week it is. We've got Bye Mageddon part two. We've got a very choppy, choppy uh, number of injuries to navigate. So, I mean, some big ones too. Some big ones. Some big ones. And guys, guys, don't forget to follow this man. This man. This man. Which way am I going? This way. It's like See, the I'm opposite. Still, I'm still figuring it out. It's yeah. DOG man. DOG fantasy. He's dropping his waiver wire show tomorrow. DOG live wire. Follow this man. Probably the hardest working guy in fantasy football. I'll put it up, put him up there against anyone. But guys, let's get to it. Like you said, Theo, some big injuries, some big roster uh, management going on as we get into the money week. So let's kick it off, buddy. Yeah. So first, I wanted to get your guys' take. We had a massive injury with Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think that this really affects the 49ers moving forward. I think that they're very safe that they're going to win a few more games this year. They're going to be a playoff team, but this certainly caps how far they can go. How would you guys rank the NFC contenders and also the AFC contenders? Sort of a, what's your Super Bowl prediction at this point? Like maybe start with our guest, Pat. I still, uh, as far as the NFC goes, it feels like the, the Eagles and the Cowboys are kind of in their own tier right now. Um, I really like the Eagles. I feel like maybe the the Cowboys are the strongest like roster, but I and maybe it's because I've been able to predict what's going to happen with the Eagles that I think the the coaching sharp, <laughs> but I think the coaching is really sharp. And I love how like when they have a a matchup that's on paper, it's like okay, they should shift to the run here, play power football. You know they can do that. They do that and they crush. And then last week it's. It's like, you know, they should really attack the Titans through the air. They shouldn't bother wasting in many, uh, you know, downs. Rushing the ball, really prioritize the pass on first down, attack downfield. They do exactly that. They, I mean, they're pulling their starters with 
I, the starters were on the field with like 11 and a half minutes yeah. left. That's the last time we saw them. So, I, I mean, that's a really exciting to me. I think the coaching edge is with the Eagles. Uh, so I'll, I'll still give them the nod, but the Cowboys defense, obviously spectacular and their offense is, is very, very good. Yeah, that's a tough one for me for the NFC. I, I think you're right that Minnesota is kind of a, a team that's won a lot of games, but they're uh, they're an underdog against Detroit this week on the road right now. It's like a one point dog. Uh, you don't you don't like seeing that, and uh, the the Jets certainly took them right down to the wire. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I could see Dallas taking Philly in the playoffs, but I do think that Philadelphia defense is getting is getting healthier. The offense is just a machine. You know, we saw Jalen Hurts pass like have like 39 pass attempts this past Sunday. It's mm-hmm. like they're they they can do whatever they want, um, and they could get Dallas Goddard back uh, at any moment. So I think I'll, I'll lean with you with with Philly. What about you, JD? Yeah, I mean, not much that I'll just add. It, it's fun. It's not funny, but you'd almost think that Dallas struggling without or not struggling with not having Dak in the beginning has kind of gotten them to where they are today, right? They had to work a little harder. Uh, on the offense, maybe uh, with Cooper, they adjusted really well. And now when they add Dak to this, it's it's kind of like a bonus, right? So you see that coming uh, into week four, going into week 14 now. What a powerhouse this team is. So it's hard to argue Cowboys or Eagles. Vikings, like you say, they're a team with a lot of wins. A lot of people are writing them off. A lot of people have been saying that since, I think, I don't know, week six, seven. So eventually you got to just say maybe this is a good football team. Uh, with a lot of upside, especially we got to remember this is a new regime in, in Minnesota. So this offense is going to continue to evolve. What about the AFC? We saw Cincinnati uh, beat Kansas City. It was a massive win. And uh, we saw Joe Burrow now go. He's now 3-0 and in his career against the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, I, I still I would still consider Buffalo um, my personal favorite. Which way would you go with the AFC, Pat? I'd like Buffalo too. Yeah. they. I mean – they're another team that really was flashing in the beginning of the season with their defense. Um, I think, you know, they may be a team who's getting healthier uh, defensively as we get down the stretch here. And then um, obviously the offense is just really, really good. And there's, there's a lot of really good offenses in the AFC, but you know, feels pretty good to be betting on Josh Allen. AFC just feels like uh, the the playoffs are going to be bananas. Uh, NFC, it just seems like the limited number of teams, but it's going to be great. What about you, JD? Who do you see coming out of the AFC? Yeah, hard to argue with the Bills. Obviously, the Chiefs always, always there. Uh, it's funny, though, how Cincinnati just seems to have their numbers. So does that continue if they meet again in the AFC playoffs? Uh, sorry to, to see Lamar injured. The Titans, always sneaky, well-coached roster, uh, you know, solid on defense. They have the running game, and, and hopefully Burks can come back. But I wonder if all of this just opens the door you know, these shifts that we were seeing for some of these wildcard teams to maybe make some noise in the playoffs this year. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting one. It's, it seems a little top-heavy, but you just never know what happens in the NFL. And somebody's going to – you're going to like somebody more uh, in a few weeks than you like them today as well. Um, we had two massive QB injuries, Pat. We saw Jimmy Garoppolo lost for the season. And it seems like there's um, it's a little bit of mystery with with how long we should expect Lamar Jackson to be out. Um, I tend to think that Harbaugh is kind of downplaying it, and I think it's going to be a few weeks for Lamar if I had to put my money on it. What way should fantasy managers navigate the QB position? And I'll also add Trevor Lawrence is a little banged up. He's one for people to keep an eye on this week. He played, but it looked like he was going to be lost for the game. He gutted it out. 
what way would should fantasy players be navigating this QB position? Maybe you could talk about Mike White your, and your thoughts on Tyler Huntley. Yeah, I mean, Huntley, it's, for as long as we get him, he's kind of a plug-and-play guy. Um, you know, he's not going to be quite as reliable as Lamar, and he doesn't have the same upside as Lamar, but he's like the same exact bet, you know. So uh, he's it just comes down to how long Lamar is going to be out. The initial reports were like, it's not season-ending, which doesn't make you feel like he's going to be right back. But then today it's like, well, we're, we don't think he'll be able to play. It's unlikely he'll be able to play this week. I tend to agree with you that they're probably downplaying the severity a little bit. Um, so Huntley is pretty intriguing to me. Mike White's also intriguing. Uh, he wasn't as nearly as efficient this week as last week, but he's still been very good over the last two weeks in total. And he didn't turn into Zach Wilson. I mean, Zach Wilson has been so inefficient that, um, you know, I, they've already said they're sticking with Mike White next week, week and, uh, it feels like they should stick with him for a while. Now, we, we had a uh, decision to make in our uh, NFC 10K team. We, we needed to carry like a backup. We have Tua, so we just wanted to back up um, the waivers close next week. And we were like, should we pick up Mike White? It's like, well, if Tua gets hurt and Mike White's not the starter, that's like a really bad situation. But You went Skylar Thompson? We went. <laughs> no, we didn't go Skylar Thompson. We actually went Tannehill. Uh, there you go. Like, that's, another, that's another guy I want your opinion on because his schedule is extremely cushy for the playoffs. He had a pretty low total. That Philadelphia buzzsaw just just crushed the Titans, and I think Burks going out early hurt him. For but sure. his, you know, his his output was not much this past weekend. But the two weeks prior to this, he had put up pretty big yardage totals, his two highest of the season. Do you think he's a viable streamer? for maybe a, a Garoppolo team or a Lamar Jackson team just based on his schedule? Or would you prefer the White and Huntleys? It got a lot less intriguing after this week because Burks, Burks being out, I think is pretty big. That's a big, like a very big deal for them. Um, they didn't have any, like no one stepped up. Chica Quanqua was the guy who was their leading receiver this week because, you know, Burks was out. So uh, I think, off the top of my head, I think Woods had six yards and Nick Westbrook had he's, four. He's dust. He's dust. Yeah. He, um, I mean, it's <laughs> completely like complete, washed. Com- yeah, like Ro- Robert Woods, you could you could put Dontrell Hilliard at wide receiver, and I think he'd be more productive <laughs> at this point. The, the other thing with the Titans is, so they get Jacksonville this week. Jacksonville's an incredibly easy pass defense, and I think a team that you should, like a, a smart coaching staff, will like um, shift a bit to the pass against them. But then they get the Chargers, and then they get the Texans, and then they get the Cowboys. All three of those teams, you could easily see the Titans just pounding the rock and being very successful and like limiting passing volume, you know, to just the bare minimum. So Tannehill, if if he doesn't have a healthy Burks this week, and by the way, he tweaked his ankle uh, in the uh, game against the Eagles, so he's I think he's less appealing than than I thought he was like you know three days ago. JD, is there any one of those guys that kind of stands out to you? Well, I think it obviously it always depends on the format. If it's super flex, how does the rest of your roster, you know, look like? Are you able to carry a loss, maybe losing a few points, a handful of points per week from that quarterback? I think Tannehill is the guy you guys mentioned. You guys mentioned I think is undervalued when it comes to quarterbacks. He's given us what five QB one weeks, four or five this week so far. He's not going to give you the 25, 30 points. 
but he's shown us up, you know, the 19, 20 points per week. So that's, that's pretty good. Uh, if you're coming off one of these injuries that we're talking about and the rest of your roster is strong enough. Yeah. To me, I'm, I'm bullish on Mike white. Cause I, I think that, that he Garrett Wilson is who we're, we're going to talk about in a few uh, minutes is a, a weapon that, that they're just absolutely fe- featuring. Uh, it seems like they're they're a little more open with their play calling with Mike White, and I think they don't mind kind of putting the pedal to the metal when they need to. So I think if I needed a QB for this week, it would absolutely be Huntley. But if I could roster yep. one for the rest of the season, I'd probably roll the dice on, on Mike White. Cushy has a nice schedule coming up. White. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. That Jets playoff schedule is, is very cushy. Yeah. Um, Christian Watson is just on an unbelievable run of production. And then I had to DM John John Diggle for this one because I've never heard of the the older player mentioned here. But Christian Watson now has eight all-purpose touchdowns in four straight games, which ties him with Randy Moss and someone named Bill Groman, who was an absolute <laughs> baller in 1960, for the most by a rookie in NFL history in that span, which is just shocking. Um, is he – so I think we all agree that the guy's definitely impactful for the rest of the season. We don't waste your time with that. But how do you see him? Like, is he the real deal? Or is he somebody we should temper expectations? Is he like a Martavis Bryant, um, you know, a very talented guy or that, that, that is not necessarily someone that could elevate to a truly elite wide receiver one? Like, what is your take on, on Christian Watson kind of in a moving forward direction? Like, where do you anticipate Christian Watson will end up going in redraft next year? I think he'll go pretty early. Uh, I mean, I, I think we should be pretty bullish on Christian Watson. The One of the best profiles in fantasy is if you're a downfield threat, that's also your team's number one. And I've been arguing for a couple weeks that he is the number one. Uh, if you look at, like, the way the targets per outrun, first read targets were trending, like they were going, he was – you know, over the season, still it was Lazard, but over the last few weeks, it, it was pretty clearly trending towards um, Christian Watson. He has a 14.6 ADOT. That's a really deep ADOT. He's, he's kind of like he's Marcus. ridiculous Vol- right now. It's ridiculous yeah. what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. It's actually kind of similar. I was comparing him last night on our recap pod, kind of floating this com- comparison, um, not stylistically, body type, all that, but like just in terms of the role in the offense, it is a little similar to, to what Chris Olave is doing where he's like a clear deep threat, but he's also emerged as the top target and the offense is starting to flow through him. That's like, I mean, that's the Julio Jones archetype, right? Like that's how you can put up massive seasons. Uh, You know, I don't think he's going to be that good. You know, I'm not projecting him to go to the Hall of Fame, but he does have 2.3 yards per outrun, which is like very, very strong. Yeah. Yeah. So like none of this requires you to even talk about the touchdowns. You know, it, it's just like the yards, where he's getting targeted, his his uh, role within like the target pecking order. All of that is extremely bullish. The touchdowns has been I mean, th- those have obviously just powered an absolute unreal fantasy stretch. But as we look forward, I think you can just kind of look at how he's doing in terms of yards and targets and still be very, very bullish. He feels like, you know, he's going to be a third round pick next year, maybe maybe the fourth. But like, I don't know. Every wide receiver is going to be selected by the fourth round, Pat. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, that, I, based on this year, I feel like that's too much to hope for. Yeah. Where do you Where do you guys see him going? Well, I will say JD and I are in in a, in a couple of, of chats with some high stakes players, and and uh, to me, it's very hard for me to make a comparison for him like his career 
Like he's so explosive to me. Like the, 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 the person that I would compare him to and maybe a don't underestimate the guy type type scenario is Tyreek Hill's rookie year where the guy just kept, kept breaking off massive plays and you kept expecting him to kind of slow down and you didn't necessarily like his college profile. Um, they used him on special teams more, obviously, but you know, the green Bay tried doing that with Watson, but I kind of agree with you. I think that we beat him up as a prospect uh, kind of all summer long and, and we were right on pretty much this whole draft class, but I think we'll take the L on Christian yeah. Watson where I thought he would end up being kind of like a Marte, like a, like an MVS like yeah. for, for Green Bay. And he's so, so much more than that. But it's just when you watch his explosiveness, you know he's a 4-3 guy, but he just completely runs away from NFL defenders. So I'm going to tend on taking a bullish take on him. Um, I think he'll end up somewhere in like the third round for NFFC drafts. And I'm kind of smitten with him right now. I would take a couple of guys in the class still over him, but I think he's going to be a really good NFL player. And I know that there's a couple of people that – kind of share my share my views on him it's just take the l he's better than we thought jd anything to add on christian watson yeah it's uh, well like you said it's our it's one of our l's on the show i'm almost embarrassed when you think about the opportunity available in green bay when they drafted this kid and you look at his snap shares other than the first week he was like really low as soon as week 10 10 hit 85 percent snap share he's been crushing wide receiver three wide receiver eight wide receiver 10 so I guess, does this continue? I don't see why not. You know, I don't see why not. It's not like there's someone else coming in to, to take some targets. So uh, you think that him and Rodgers will keep building on this and whoever got him on their rosters. I know I've got him in the classic deal, the one we did with uh, Bip and all those guys, the mojo. Uh, but I mean, you know, to those who got him, good for you guys and, and enjoy him because he might he might bring in you. He might bring you titles this year. Yeah, and he, he could, he's kind of flips the trajectory of a dynasty team, too, because People let him fall to the second round. Oh, I yeah. was so happy when I got my George Pickens shares, you know, right around that that one two turn. And it's like I would trade them for Christian Watson, and, and I'd say I'd send Pickens plus for for Watson yeah. any day of the week. Right now, it's not. Even it's close. funny. I was on. Uh, I was in a league with uh, Davis Maddock, and I had. It was one of those things where I wanted Pickens, and he was. He also wanted Pickens, and he's like, "What? What will you give me to trade up here to get Pickens?" I was like, I don't have any Watson. I think I'll just sit tight and take Watson. And then there was that period where, like, I don't know, like week four or something, I was like, I'm an idiot. I could have traded up for Pickens. And now I'm like, thank God I didn't trade up for Pickens. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one for, for Davis. Um, another rookie wide receiver who we, we were extremely bullish on in the GOAT district, and we looked smart for it. It's not like we took a, a huge leap of faith. The guy was drafted in the top 10 and played at Ohio State and, and put up numbers. But Garrett Wilson has just has just gone bananas this weekend. Uh, he went nuts against the Minnesota secondary, went for 160-plus. He now has five games in his rookie season over 90 yards receiving, which is kind of cherry-picking, but Ch Jamar Chase had six, Jalen Waddell had three, Amon Ross St. Brown had four, and Justin Jefferson had only seven. So, like, Garrett Wilson has a chance to have as many 90-yard uh, games as, as Justin Jefferson in his rookie season. Obviously, Chase had a couple of, like, 250s mixed in in those 90-pluses. But Garrett Wilson is, is, is just going crazy. How, how high are you on Garrett Wilson? The, he seems like a guy who could be considered a top six dynasty wide receiver and a guy who's just going to shoot up the board and redraft next year. 
Maybe, maybe yeah. answer Kev's question too. Uh, I got it on the screen there for I, you. I'm taking Garrett Wilson over Christian Watson for their careers, despite all the things I said. I just think Garrett Wilson is one of the one of the cleanest prospects ever. He's he's just seems like a kind of a a dominant fantasy weapon, and I think that he's going to be more consistent in his career than Christian Watson. That's just my two cents to add to the. Uh, you can add it to the hit reel, JD, if if Christian Watson crushes Garrett Wilson. <laughs> Well, look, I mean, Christian Watson's a very high upside guy, so you don't want to be, like, too vocal about putting yeah, anyone over. Him I got to keep it on the low. Yeah, but I agree with you. I think I would be betting on Garrett Wilson over Christian Watson. I mean, I think a much stronger prospect. I mean, not only a top 10 pick, but, like, I, Chris Olave's really good. And Garrett Wilson was outproducing him while he was a junior and Olave was a senior, and now he's also crushing, like – all of the all of the information that we have is pointing in the same direction, which is that the, the, he's a superstar. And that's what everything is pointing. Elijah Moore had a really strong rookie season. He's like the number three slash four wide receiver there now. You know, they've completely gone to Garrett Wilson as their number one. Uh, we saw that when Corey Davis was back last week or two weeks ago. We saw it this past week. Like, it doesn't matter who is in that offense. It's going to flow through Garrett Wilson. He gets – not even like a good quarterback, just not a horrible, like lowest EPA in the league type of quarterback. And he's absolutely crushing. So, you know, maybe we're going to have to like fight through some Zach Wilson starts again next year. So they kind of, yeah, they, they're too good to probably like fully move it. on. They can't, they can't bring Zach Wilson back next year. They, you know how this stuff goes. They'll, they'll like, oh. they'll end up trying to back out and it's going to, it's going to be frustrating. But I mean, as far as the talent, bet on talent play goes, he's, he's about as good as it gets. I'm really happy. Like I was kind of like some of the stuff that I was looking at really pointed me towards Justin Jefferson, but then I like, didn't, I wasn't as high on Justin Jefferson as I should have been. And I feel like that lesson, the lesson with Justin Jefferson was like this, the safe, like, Oh, this guy's like going to hit, but I don't know how hard those guys have massive ceilings too. <laughs> like that was the lesson for me with Jefferson. Cause everyone was like, Oh, he's a slot guy. You know, he's definitely good. And he like probably hit, but I don't know if he has the ceiling. If you have a first round pick who hits, they can be a superstar. Like it doesn't matter. Like that's it, I think. And, and so Wilson, I feel like had a very similar kind of profile where people weren't, they, we were all having trouble, like identifying what was going to happen to where we were super, super excited. But if a top 10 pick hits, <laughs> they can, they can absolutely crush. And that's what we're seeing with Wilson. So I'm, I'm very excited. I'm going to be excited next year. I think he'll be a second round pick would be my guess. And I, I think he'll be, you know, fair value there. Yeah, I, I think I think he's exactly the kind of guy that ends up going as a as a back end wide receiver one and redraft. And I think it's interesting when you start trying to, and we'll have a bunch of these in the in the offseason, JD. But I think if you are legitimately ranking, you know, wide receivers for dynasty, it's hard for me to keep him like away from like wide receiver six at this point, somewhere in that range. What are your thoughts on him moving forward, JD? Well, what about Kev? What I I don't have anything to add. Dynasty. Oh, I just saw that. I, I think the I think the curious or the interesting question is ROS, right? Rest of the season. Oh, we already put it down last week in the district, guys. Garrett Wilson was our league winner. <laughs> we we said Garrett Wilson was going to be a league winner before the Chicago Bears game happened. As soon as the QB, I mean, we went and we had a couple of of excellent high stakes players who have also gone on that. Uh, that ledge that he could be this year's Amon Ross St. Brown. 
there's been some pushback that, you know, Christian Watson is the the league winner, but of the rookie wide receivers, I think if anybody's going to go Amon Ross St. Brown, I think it's, it's Garrett Wilson. Pat, would you rather have Christian Watson or Garrett Wilson for the rest of the season in redraft? Wilson. And, and part of it, the Amon Ross St. Brown point is, I mean, it, he's not exactly the same type of guy, but he's, but he he's in a very similar situation where he's paired with a quarterback that is loving having him. And he's got his dot at least heading into the week. I'll have to pull it up for post this week. But it was 8.4 heading into the week. And Mike White had one of the shallowest dots of any quarterback in the league. Um, and so it's kind of a golf-like situation where he's got this guy who's getting open very, very easily, very quickly. Uh, ESPN just rolled out this new open score heading into the week. Wilson was the number one rookie in open score. Um, you know, it's not exactly like a surprise why he's getting peppered with the targets. He's, he's getting open. So, yeah, I think it's like similar to Amon Ross St. Brown, where he's going to be the engine of the offense, paired perfectly with his quarterback. You could say the same for Christian Watson, where, you know, he's opening up the deep game for Aaron Rodgers. But, like, I don't know. I feel like Watson's already been kind of the league winner. Like, he got you there. But yeah. I'd rather have Wilson going forward. Shout out to Christian Watson on my FFPC main event team that's that's advanced for, for next week, JD, in the, the playoffs. And, and shout, shout out, shout out to the Harry Snowman in the chat. You guys are live tonight, by the way. Make sure you guys smash the smash the like uh, button as you smack the smash the subscribe if you're new. Theo, throw let, let let's get to running back, and then we'll we'll oh, throw a couple uh, good words sure. to our partners at the FFPC. Thanks, brother. Sure. Uh, I wanted one to get your guys' opinion on on one wide receiver. Um, before we moved on, Devonte Adams is on an absolute, Ooh. like, unbelievable streak. I, he, I just has, got him from this guy named the OG Fantasy in, in one of my. That, we did. We did make that. We did make that trade. We're going a, for a four Pete. We're going for a four Pete. So we needed out, that Adams. Out, thank you. Thank you very much to our friend Matt Hicks, um, who who, who uh, invited me to a league, and JD's got a loaded team, and I take over a an orphan. <laughs> but we did. I did trade you Devonte Adams, but I will add context that they completely awful rebuild for everybody listening. I don't, I don't go around trading Devontae <laughs> Adams for, for nothing, you know, not my first rodeo, but I lost in kind of the Josh Jacobs smash season is Devontae Adams. He's having like the quietest league winning season ever. He's red hot with 22 catches, four touchdowns, 392 yards his last three weeks. And he leads the league with 664 yards receiving over his last five games. Is he the wide receiver one for you rest of the season? It'd be Hill for me still. Uh, I just think, you know, what Tyree Kill's doing is – I mean, what Adams is doing is incredible, but Tyree Kill's, like, got basically, like, no real holes in his profile. And also having Jalen Waddle, who was who's banged up now, but it doesn't seem like it's anything super serious, I think it's really helpful for him. For Adams, it's like he, he is just the only guy, and that's going to make, you know, his floor very high. But I think Hill's got the highest ceiling in the game right now. Um, and I think Miami will bounce back from the loss of San Francisco. Losing, not having Armstead was a big deal, I think, for them. Uh, once they get the a little bit healthier line, then I still feel like Hill has just a slightly higher ceiling. JD, any preference on on those two? I mean, look, Adams number one in targets, number one in target share, number one in air yards. Uh, if this keeps going, it's going to be hard to argue it. But then you've got guys like Diggs, JJ. You know, like Pat said, Hill. These guys are all putting up numbers and, you and you just you want, you, you want as many stud receivers on your team as you know as as you can. And this is perfect example. Love Adams this year. Hopefully they keep going and they still have you know reason to to throw the ball 
around uh, in Vegas as we uh, get towards the end of the season. One reason Jeez. is that you can throw on them as much as you want. They, they have a terrible pass defense. Uh, run defense isn't great either, but uh, you know, if, if points are going up on the board, that, that should help us. Uh, JD, uh, I'm good with wide receivers. If you want to give our, our friends a little plug. All right, guys, you know, week 14, we're approaching, like, I, like I said, last, last show, maybe not all your teams are winners. So you still have an opportunity guys. I'm sure a lot of you are already playing these, but we're running out of weeks guys. So go check out myffpc.com. The weekly challenge, they got two buy-ins, a 35 and a $200 buy-in. You can win up to 10 grand, man, on a weekly basis. They got a 30 and a 100 team contest, classic or slims. Go check it out, guys. MyFFPC.com. I'll post the link below after the show. Uh, make sure you guys click on that to subscribe and you'll get an exclusive sign-up bonus. So we had, we had James Cook uh, this past week go for over 100 combined yards. Uh, he had six catches. He had a slow week on on Thanksgiving. I think it was kind of the short week uh, they went with Singletary. But the week before, he went over 80 yards rushing. So we're seeing kind of an uptick for for James Cook. Is he a guy that you want to get in your lineups, like as a weekly flex play? Uh, or do you have a little bit of apprehension here, Pat? I know you guys also um, you know, were big Singletary guys with a lot of your builds this summer. Do you see Cook kind of cutting into Singletary as we move further on the season. Yeah. I mean, I have a little bit of apprehension and just in terms of like, you know, next week, how much it, you know, I've, I've heard some pushback on, you know, cook's role as like, look, they had, what was it like three games and however many days it was a very short, short period of time where they had several games. So maybe they were just kind of, you know, seeing what they had in this uh, rookie. So they, you know, could also keep uh, Singletary fresh, but he looks awesome. <laughs> like just, just eye tests, like cook cooks, the guy like he's, I think he's way more explosive than Singletary. Singletary's like solid. He definitely has a little wiggle. And, you know, if you need like three yards, I, I'd rather hand it off to Singletary, but um, the bills are, I think pretty sharp in that they understand explosive plays and, and the importance of explosive plays uh, and, and looking for those. So I would imagine that cook gets more work as we move forward. I think he's shown, uh, you know, over the course of the season, like if you look at uh, NFL Next Gen's rush yards over expected per attempt, is that I like. He's he's kind of whatever there, but he's been good in the last few weeks. Um, and, you know, kind of what you want to see from a rookie, getting better as the season goes along, getting more work. So I'm pretty excited about him. I don't know, like, it's going to be the most predictable thing because he's an explosive guy and he's probably going to be in a committee. So he's not going to ever feel like a, a super comfortable start, I think, even down the stretch. Unless they it, just commit to him, which is, is, which is he, possible. But is he AJ Dillon now, Pat, or is he better? No, I'd rather have him than AJ Dillon. Okay, Theo, I, I'm definitely on on Cook over Dillon. Um, Dillon's a guy we're going to talk about shortly. He's interesting as well. But I think that the Bills basically told us all offseason what they wanted. Uh, shout out to Harry Snowman in the chat. He looks like Dalvin Cook at times. Yeah, he looks explosive and shifty. <laughs> I don't um, know why that, that comp comes I don't know. I wonder if they could be related. Like genetically, it just looks like him, you know? It's just crazy. <laughs> That's uh, that Shout out to, my, to our boy, the Harry Snowman. Um, I just think the Bills kind of told you exactly what they wanted to do all offseason long. They wanted a pass catching back. Yeah. They tried to get McKissick. They, yeah. you know, they drafted Cook. They apparently flirted with McCaffrey. They flirted with McCaffrey again when he was traded to San Francisco. Um, and I think that they understand that this is kind of the way their team takes a step forward. 
Um, I think it's interesting to think of, you know, James Cook kind of is like the number three target in this, this passing offense. And I think that's kind of the most dangerous they can be is getting the ball in his hands, you know, right after digs and then taking their shots, obviously on Gabe Davis. Um, it just makes the offense a little bit more diverse and it keeps Singletary nice and fresh. But I think that, you know, to me, it's, it's the rushing ability is, is good, but it's the pass catching that makes, makes Cook so exciting and makes him such a weapon for the offense. So you can just picture a shootout with, with Cincinnati or Kansas city in the playoffs where you have like the big James Cook, Cook game. And JD, I think he'll be a popular guy for some of these playoff rosters just to be a little a contrarian because there'll be so much digs in Allen chalk. Plus, plus he adds that other dimension, just talking football to Buffalo, a team that's going in and, you know, they're, they're going to be facing these KCs, these Tennessees in the playoffs. They're going to want something uh, different to throw at, at these, these teams. And now they've got it right. They're developing them and it's perfect time. So we hope to see this keep ascending. And like Pat said, they recognize that he's the talent. Give him the rock, give him the rock, man. Let's not have another, uh, you know, committee. What, yeah. what about, I'm sorry, Pat, go ahead. Well, the, the only thing that I feel like is a little bit of a bummer is this Naheem Hines uh, situation where he's still he is still like involved a little bit. One uh, catch this past week. I know they keep saying they want to get him playing time, but I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a vet, veteran. I don't know. To me, it's kind of like a veteran's deference, and I think that he was so cheap to trade for yeah. that Naheem Hines is just like a luxury for them. Um, they didn't have to give up much. It was a day, like a day three pick, and you know the the dusty old Zach Moss. It's like five so, percent snap share. I don't know. It's it's Hines had a twenty one yard catch, and I don't know. It's would be very ugly if he was worked in, and kind of kills the the Cook narrative a little bit. But I, I don't, yeah. I'm not too worried about that one. I hope you're right. Uh, I just I saw him on the field more than I wanted. Uh, let's see, what was it? Yeah, I'm trying to pull it up. I pulled last week's back. Yeah, so he had a 31 percent snap share this past uh, Thursday. So Play that's. Yeah, that was a little concerning for me. It's like it's that they shouldn't they shouldn't have him out there. So part of me wants to just assume it'll go away. But he um it was 13 passing snaps that he was on the field for. So it's like coming directly out of what we want for Cook. Uh and Cook Cook's only had seven pass blocking snaps this entire season. And that's like maybe the thing. Like if it doesn't happen, it's probably because they don't trust him as a pass blocker. And they use Singletary out there, and they're mixing Hines in. But from like a pure talent perspective, he's—I think—he's really exciting. One other rookie running back that certainly didn't have the draft pedigree of of, of James Cook is Zonovan Knight, who was an undrafted rookie free agent that's really come on the last two weeks for the Jets. He's had a, over 100 combined yards in back-to-back games, um, and he's looked good doing it. Can we rely on him for weekly RB2 production? Do you think that this is like a Michael Carter comes back and it becomes a kind of an uglier committee, or do you think this is Zonovan Knight with Carter kind of mixed in and, and some Ty Johnson? Yeah. I mean, Carter's not much of an early down guy. So I, I think maybe this might be like Donovan Knight as the lead back, but it's, I mean, he only had 55% of snaps last week when Carter wasn't in. So I don't think, you know, he's not going to be dominating. He had 47% in week 12, but Carter got hurt. So I would say, like, it's probably going to be maybe like the Falcons backfield where it's a true kind of 50-50 or, or like the Chiefs 
Maybe that's better. Say Pacheco. the Chiefs. Don't, don't say the Falcons. Say the Chiefs. We can we can get yeah. Don't say the <laughs> I just Falcons. meant in terms don't of the split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, Chiefs, chief, the like, Chiefs, a Chiefs like backfield sounds intriguing. A Falcons like backfield <laughs> makes you want to cut everybody. JD, <laughs> but that's I, I think that's where we're headed. JD, what do you think about Zoneman? Uh dude, uh, the only thing I could say about Zoneman is I totally missed the train on Mister Knight. Like I I did not pick him up anywhere. I did I just totally missed it. So, I mean, it's nice to see these late season pieces pop, especially at running back. Um, but, I mean, it's always about opportunity, right? Does it With uh, with uh, Hall gone and and what's the deal with Carter? James, deal for a bit so now, James, James Rob, Carter, Carter should be back. Uh, it doesn't sound like a long-term injury, but Robinson was, was activated and they kind of said that it would be a committee. Um, and then Zonovan McKnight just dominates, dominates the, the fantasy points. I just feel like uh, Robinson sounds very frustrated when he's speaking to the media. This is kind of not what he had in mind, and he can't get healthy either. So sounds like they're just going to play like best hand or whatever. You know, whoever's uh, playing. Eleven percent of snaps for Robinson last week. Yeah, it's uh, it's just not going to happen for James Robinson. I feel like at this point, um, you know, and this is something we'll kind of talk about tomorrow night with waivers. JD is Robinson's probably just a guy you, you can you can move on from. I think I feel like he's a roster clogger at this point. Um, I would rather roster Ty Johnson than than James Robinson at this point, just because I feel like Ty Johnson uh, you could could potentially like if Carter missed some time, Ty Johnson showed you know his ability as a receiver. I just think Robinson is just you can cut cut bait on that one. But Knight's super interesting. Um, you know the Jets front office has been so sharp in in the young players they're bringing in. We've seen all these rookie. We talked about Garrett Wilson. You know, JD said Brees Hall earlier. It's like all of their draft picks were good, and then they get Zonovan uh, Knight as an undrafted free agent. So, you know, hat tip to the Jets. It's like it's unbelievable. They're they're making smart decisions all the time. Um, I'm not sure. I, I wanna I wanna trust him more. Um, again, I I think that he's exciting and he runs extremely hard. Uh, but I don't know. It, it, to me, he's a flex play at this point. One guy who was a very high draft pick who, you know, we were bullish on in the goat district and, and has been a massive fantasy dud this season mm. is AJ Dillon. But the last two weeks have been extremely, extremely productive. Um, and some of his better weeks of the season, Aaron Jones is dealing with a shin injury. Can we finally trust AJ Dillon? And when I say trust, I mean, can we treat him as like a flex play, you know, maybe a, a low level RB two, down the stretch or do you think that he can keep up this production i think it's entirely dependent on jones's health they've really kind of leaned on jones this year but if jones is banged up then i i do think you can because the the packers have been very consistent about how they want to run their offense they want to run the ball and they they want to limit aaron Rodgers' passing attempts and you know kind of establish it they play slow i mean they're like they're like the Falcons-esque in a way where they just like if they're down, they're down 17 and there's 10 minutes left, they're running it. <laughs> like they're running it slowly. It's kind of crazy, but that's the way they play. So at this point, you know, we, we just have to understand that. And I think betting on Dylan for as long as Jones isn't fully healthy makes a lot of sense. But I think it evaporates once Jones um, gets back to full health. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, after the bye week. Um, just how healthy Jones is, you know, you'd like to think that the, the week off can get guys healthy, but sometimes, you know, we see these things kind of linger. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the, maybe the threat of Christian Watson uh, running 50-yard touchdowns on sweeps also also helps Dylan slightly. <laughs> uh, JD, what are your thoughts on on Dylan? Uh, you know, coming back after the bye week. I got a quiz for you guys. If we're looking at splits, what do you think, Aaron? What do you think the difference is in AJD's points with with Jones in or out? Pat, go first. And don't be this cheating. season. Yeah. Or yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Go this season. Actually. Don't do this season because because it hasn't happened prior to this season. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It hasn't happened in my tool. So what am I? I'm guessing what his points were. I'd say he has like he's got like probably like eight points a game with uh maybe that might be even too high with Jones, and I'll say fourteen points without Jones. See, isn't that uh, Theo? What do you think? I well, I I I'm I'm. I'm going to leave the guessing on the points per game to 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 Pat here, but I think Pat sounds about right. I think that sounds like the kind of six point gap sounds about right. I do remember it was AJ Dillon's season, and he was like ranked as a top three back um, when Jones was out last year a couple times in the like a like the weekly rankings, and it never kind of came into fruition with like a massive massive game. So, what you, what is the actual number? Jay? Yeah, you know, okay. So actually, Pat Pat was on. So basically, I I had it initially. Because, like you said, the last last weekend's not on here. But when you look at the last three years, it's Pat nailed it. It's eight point seven four with him in. But the out is what threw me on because it's seven point three. But oh, then no. if you if but you roll, in the 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 three years ago was a the exactly went way up last year. exactly. Yeah, but it's still weird. it's still not it's two points difference basically. So it's nine point seven three with him in the split and eleven point seven out. So I mean, okay. it, there's there's still a difference there, but it's not as I just expected a, a way bigger difference with him out. The another running back who we talked about a little bit in the pre-show um, that we're we're both into is Rashad White. Uh, that's a guy that the, we were big in the Go District all summer, um, and it's a guy that I have on a number of my redraft teams as well as dynasty teams. How do you anticipate this this backfield split being this evening? Um, you know, with Leonard Fournette out there. I mean, so I have uh, a huge position on Rashad White in best ball. He's like the guy I was probably, you know, happiest to be drafting. Um, maybe not even the most undervalued. <laughs> even at the time, in my opinion, but uh, it was just like a, just a, such an easy bet for me to, to make. Cause I saw the upside with him as, you know, a, a, this three down receiving back uh, with this team that wants to use that type of back. So uh, I will kind of preface this with saying I'm incredibly biased here and I'm like kind of fighting against that bias a little bit. Uh, so I think it's going to be like, Pollard Zeke esque, but we're not going to get as many overall touches. You know, like we're going to have, I think, and, and in this case, I think White is the Pollard, where first game back for Fournette, I think he'll run ahead, but I don't think he'll be like way out in front. I think it'll be like 55 45 type of split. One reason I compare it to Pollard and Fournette or <laughs> Pollard and uh, Zeke is that I, I don't think there's going to be like a role. For, you know, this guy does this, this guy does that. Like, I, they both do everything. So I think they're going to kind of rotate series, you know, kind of come in when one guy's tired, the other guy stays in a while, that type of thing, as opposed to Fournette's got all the passing down work, White's got the early down or vice versa. It's like a Pollard Zeke without a meddlesome owner that uh, that tries yeah. to tries to you know, <laughs> back people and, and force you into playing them. Um, I, I, I'm – I want to talk it into existence, but I'm hoping it's like 60 40 
and they they still lean a little bit more on White because I think he's kind of coming into his own. And I just I don't know. I, I think he's a very, very talented guy. And I, I hope we see him get this increasing role and they don't go back to 50-50 would be a little depressing. I'd like a little bit more than that with White. What do you think, JD? Me too. <laughs> I, I I I, I like Pat and and Theo, uh my third most owned running back on in the FFPC site. So go. definitely hoping he pops. My only worry is the red zone action. We've seen him get four. Uh, red zone carries in the last two weeks. Does that go away with Fournette back in the picture? Uh, we'll have to see, but you hope that uh, White with talent and youth perseveres and gives us what we need, guys, the rest of the season. One wide receiver we didn't touch on. I'm just interested in, in your take on him uh, because we see him going on to a bye week is, is Terry McLaurin. Uh, McLaurin had a season high in targets. How, how do you see him kind of moving forward? Um, you know, in that Washington offense. Yeah, I was too low on McLaurin this week. I thought the um, the commanders were going to just be really run heavy and, you know, that would make it tough for him to kind of do anything. Uh, and then he went for 105 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's very clear that the offense goes through him, I think. And, you know, he's got he's got a pretty strong connection with Taylor Heineke. So, it's basically his best year since his rookie season. Um, I would, uh, I would think you, you know, you're you're pretty comfortable with him, no matter who they're playing. Like the Giants are, they're not like a, a shutdown defense by any means, but they're not a great matchup for receiving points. You know, like they're going to run the ball, they're going to play slow, they're going to try to hide Daniel Jones. Washington wants to be a run heavy team. Giants have a bad run defense. I mean, they literally went an entire overtime period and neither team could score, you know, and for McLaurin to still get there, I think is is fairly bullish and it makes me, you know, a little more confident than I was heading into the week about him. Yeah, I mean, you certainly like how he's looking with Heineke, and I think it was also uh, telling that we saw a Jahan Dotson game and McLaurin still produced like this in, in terms of usage. And we also saw, uh, you know, Curtis Samuel, I, I believe he had six catches, so they're kind of able to coexist with and with McLaurin, you know, being that alpha. And I think, you know, it's as crazy as it is, uh, you know, Taylor Heineke just makes him that much better. It's kind of like, you know, certain QBs, like you talked about earlier, have that kind of tunnel vision for their main guy when a big play's on the line and he's not afraid to take chances with McLaurin. So I think that, uh, you know, moving forward, if you have McLaurin, you should be very, very stoked rest of the season. J.D.? Yeah, nothing to add. Uh, it's nice to see him uh, build the rapport with uh, Heineke there, and we'll see moving forward. It, it's you know, and even I'm, I'm, I was just looking at kind of their their passing offense. They're they're top fifteen pass attempts uh, in in the league, which you would expect them to be maybe in the the lower end. So they're starting to use and Dotson's there, uh, so they're they're starting to build weapons there. You you know, you hope Heineke grows with it, and they, they keep using the weapons. And and Terry for sure, a big part of that. Scary Terry. So the reason we paid you such a big guest appearance fee tonight, Pat, the one thing that the <laughs> that the that the fantasy community needs to hear from you is oh, should I be looking out for that? It, it, I, I Venmoed. You didn't get it. Um, but check after the show. Check after the show. Um, I'll resend it. So the 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 one question that I think um, we've been asking all of our guests recently is, you know, who are your league winners? Are there any players right now that are kind of under under the radar? Um, maybe, uh, you know, a particular RB2 or RB3 or wide receiver two or wide receiver three, maybe a tight end you have in mind. Um, 
that you think could help influence leagues. And you, if you want to share kind of your your favorite players among the the upper echelon um, in terms of the, the the very impactful ones down the stretch, uh, by all means, do so as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we talked about. I mean, I think White and and Cook have you know a ton of upside to really you know shift leagues. I think White in particular, like if he if they actually do lean on him, um, which I think they very easily could. You know, he's got that three down profile. I think he jumps out. But I'll say uh, we've talked a lot about rookie wide receivers. <laughs> um, Can't afford it, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we couldn't afford that part of it. Yeah. <laughs> the two other guys I'll mention. I mean, I was really bummed to see the Traylon Burks concussion. Uh, I think he is. I mean, he, he got concussed on a twenty-five yard touchdown. It was an uh, unbelievable catch, too. I mean, like catch. it was like what you want to see from your alpha wide receiver one. That was one of Theo's guys for for he's been preaching Burks for. I've been, for I've been a on the Burks train for yeah. a while, but you're you're right. That was incre- incredibly uh, unfortunate timing too, because that it could have been a, his massive game that we've been waiting for. Like exactly, it's know, shaping him for a massive for game. It, he like he's getting, you know, very clearly the number one target there. Not just in terms of target volume, but he now has an elite yards per out run. Um, and he's also getting a lot of over the middle of the field targets, which is which are very valuable. I mean, you see like the the touchdown play that he was he was concussed on right over the middle of the field, you know, easy like you go up and get it, touchdown. Um, I think that's kind of how he's profiled. He's he's actually been more of a downfield guy than people thought he might be. You know, he was the the downside scenario for him was that he was gonna be like this gadgety guy that's not who he is he's getting deep downfield over the middle targets at a very high rate if he gets back for jacksonville i'm very excited for him in that matchup jacksonville's pass defense is absolutely terrible obviously the concussion you know potentially robs him of of league winning potential uh depending on how long he's out but but he's someone i wanted to mention and then one guy uh going tonight chris olave i feel like for basically the entire season has had the best profile among all the rookies. Uh, I was not that high on Olave coming out. I was like more into Wilson. And I think it let me, it kind of skewed my perception of Olave too much where I should have been just in on both. And uh, I mean, Olave's profile is like almost perfect. His He's got 2.45 yards per outrun, which is extremely high. 15.48. Uh, everything I was saying about, Christian Watson, you know, it's the, it, it's a very similar profile to Olave where he's a downfield guy. He's the engine of the offense. It hasn't really clicked in a in a huge way yet. I think there's a lot more upside, a lot more meat on the bone with Olave. Um, he he jumps out in a big way. One guy who, you know, for FFPC especially, like Pat Fryermuth's kind of the engine of the Steelers offense all of a sudden. It seems like he's passed. I was – I wrote up in the walkthrough last week. I was like, I, th- I think Fryermuth might be the number one here over Johnson. Like it's trending that way in terms of like first read targets and that type of stuff. And uh, you know, then he, this past week, it was him again. So I think like, I'm ready to say he's the number one target in Pittsburgh. And we were talking about the quarterback stuff earlier. Pittsburgh has a pretty easy schedule down the stretch. I Pickett hasn't shown like that much to where I'm excited about him as a, you know, a streaming guy, but I think he is a viable uh, guy to have. And especially because he's got uh, Baltimore, Carolina, the Raiders in week 16, 
then Baltimore again, that Raiders matchup in particular, you know, you could see him really throwing a little bit more than he has. And, you know, Fryermuth going off in week 16 against the Raiders, I think is very, very plausible. And that would obviously be a potential big money week for FFPC teams. Yeah, Muth is Muth is a, a, a good district favorite. Um, I call five, him a five for seventy six for the season, and uh, I think he's certainly there. Deontay Johnson has the weirdest season I've ever seen from a yeah. from a well targeted wide receiver. It's like you know eleven targets every week, and then he'll have like ten fantasy points. It's 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 disgusting. Um, but Pat Fryermuth, I think that's a great call, and and you're one of the first people that's kind of said him. I think if we're looking at tight ends, I think that you know. Besides, you know, Travis Kelsey, you know, he's as good a bet as any to put up a big, big week, um, you know, in yep. those playoff weeks. And I'll throw Dallas Goddard in there um, just because I think that he, if he is able to come back from injury, I think he could have some very impactful weeks just based on how efficient the offense is. And I don't think they would rush him back. I think they would bring him back only if he was, you know, kind of ready to eat. Um, but the Olave call was a really good one. Um, you know, I, I love your running back calls as well. Can I say one more guy? This is like uh, as many as you be- want, that. Yeah. So this has kind of become my guy because on ship chasing, like I don't know, four, three, four weeks ago, I was like, I think Darius Slayton's the best receiver on the Giants, and, <laughs> and Overzet was like, that's a, that's a ridiculous take, and we we made a side bet. <laughs> we made a side bet uh, for him versus Wandell Robinson, and then Wandell Robinson obviously tore his ACL in his breakout game, so it was a uh, he very easily could have emerged as as the top guy, but right now Slayton. Um, is making he, he caught another he caught another bomb yesterday, didn't he? I saw I saw that real quick. He caught a bomb. I don't know what he did to finish the game, but ninety yards. Uh, yeah, six catches, ninety yards. I don't know if it's gonna be a league winner, but you know, I'm I'm enjoying what we're getting He's out of guy you're, If you're an NFFC, you'd love to have him in the wide receiver three spot. I'll tell you that right now. And we've seen him. Exactly. We've seen him do it. Right. We've seen him do it. So yeah, it's, and it, uh, Slayton. It's so funny because you know you'll see people you know. I beg people to add him on the waiver wire in my waiver mm-hmm. wire column, and I'd have to write about him every week because he never made it um, above the threshold for for you know rostership. And it's like people just didn't want to believe in Slayton. And every single week he's putting fifty plus yards up. He's got a chance of a touchdown, you know, here and there. And uh, he's just an impactful player, and they don't have a whole lot there. So I, I referenced this um, this open score, this ESPN open score they they rolled out. I'm just going to say uh, I'll count down here. Justin Jefferson is number 12. Chris Olave uh, and CeeDee Lamb are tied for 10 and 11. Garrett Wilson's eight, uh, tied with Mark Andrews. Devontae Adams is seven. Pretty pretty good receivers here. Darius Slayton's sixth. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. he's, get, he's getting open. He's really getting open. So if we get some more passing attempts for the Giants, uh, maybe he can, he can put it together. And then Patrick Darty, uh, Rotopat over at uh, Roto World, he's <laughs> somehow he found that um, he was Darius Slayton was the uh, the second longest streak. He had the second longest streak of 58 plus yard games behind only Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle, his streak has ended. Slayton continued. So now he is, <laughs> he is the active leader in the entire NFL among uh, receivers with 58 plus yard games. Very important stat. You got to be the active leader in that. Uh, super <laughs> that is, that, I, I love it. It's, you know, I love how, how, you know, we say we can cherry pick data. And now 58 yards. Is, is that the, doesn't is, seem is, cherry pick, does it? Yeah. Just slightly, <laughs> just slightly, just slightly. What, what, I, let me ask you real quick, because we got to close this out soon. 
your boy, your boy Sky Moore. Any hope? Any hope for more? Is he a, a buy out there in Dynasty? What's what's your thoughts on him? I don't mind it as a buy low in Dynasty. I think you, you got to think about him essentially like he's the new Miko Hardman. You know, you're you're taking a shot on a guy who's probably going to be or should be. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll end up uh, still rolling the the highlight reel on him and <laughs> and uh, he'll end up being in like the tenth or eleventh round. But he he should probably be like a thirteenth. 14th round type of pick in redraft next year and you know if you kind of if you can get him for like that type of price i think it's fine because he's actually been efficient when on the field but he cannot he cannot get out there they're they're very uninterested in having him run routes uh he's not getting like any first reads he's not the coaches are not designing the offense in a way that's designed to get sky more the ball he's he's getting open and stuff and you know, I think that's a good sign for his talent level and what he might do in like two or three years, but maybe even next year. But uh, no real optimism for him down the stretch. I just don't we're not seeing that like ramp up of, yeah. you know, usage trust and then where they'd actually start incorporating him in a major way. A step back this week as well was kind of disappointing to see, you know, you look that Cincinnati game. You could circle it as like, hey, maybe that's the one they're going to amp his usage up in such a big spot, but it actually went down. So uh, I'm kind of I'm pretty bearish on him, um, especially you know rest of the season. One guy I will say is Greg Dulcich, who was a favorite of ours uh, this preseason. I mean, he it looked like it was kind of all kind of com- coming crashing down for him a little bit, um, but then this past week with Sutton hurt, they they really turned to him. And he was like kind of he was the first read guy. He led them in first read targets uh, by like a wide margin. I think it was like seven, six or something to two. Jerry Judy only had two. Latavius, Latavius Murray had more than Jerry Judy. So I think I think Dulcich now, I mean, he's on the Broncos. So, it, again, league winners a bit much, but he's someone I think is it's kind of starting to, to move in the right direction again, at least. Yeah, yeah we're yesterday. also fans uh, here in the district of the Dulcich. Um, we ask all, all our tailgate guests, Pat, we asked you before the show, but uh, share it with the, the listeners. And guys, you guys are awesome in the chat today. Make sure you smash the like. Um, tonight's game, minus three is the or three-point spread and 40 and a half is the over-under. Give us your thoughts on how this plays out. Mm, um, I'll take I'll take Tampa Bay. Uh I'll I'll lay the points with Tampa Bay, right? They're what are they? They're three and a half, or they're three? It's three, right on the money. Yeah, I'll I'll take I'll take Tampa Bay minus three. Uh, I'll go with, I'll go with Tampa Bay as well, JD, and uh, I want a big Ryan Suckup uh, performance. <laughs> FFPC main event team that needs uh, Dan Williamson, uh, the overhead sleeper, and I uh, have a team we split, and we need like ten point five points out of Ryan Suckup, so. I'm going to predict 23-20, Ryan, uh, three Ryan Suckup uh, field goals, and including a 50-yarder uh, as the game winner. You know, put Dan <laughs> over the top. 19-12 needs a big game from uh, from Evans. <laughs> Pat, I'm sure everybody follows. We love all the goodness you drop out there in fantasy land. Keep it up. Remind the people where to find you, what you got coming up, and anything else you want to walk out with. Yeah, uh, at Pat Crane on Twitter, ship chasing, Wednesdays at 9-15. Uh, the walkthrough is my weekly uh, preview column that comes out on Fridays on rotorworld.com. You can also check out the Rotorworld uh, football show. I do a recap podcast that's out right now covering all the goodness from yesterday. Uh, we do a preview podcast on Thursday 
and I'll be on Matthew Barry's Fantasy Football Happy Hour on Friday. Um, so you can check that out on Not, Peacock YouTube. Nineteen Twelve wants to know where you're performing this month. <laughs> I'll be Only at Matthew Barry's uh, show. Okay. <laughs> a couple local Brooklyn you. bars if you want exclusive. to exclusive. There you deal. go. <laughs> deal. Always a blast doing this with you, brother. Uh, let the people know what we got coming up before we close this out. Yeah, so we have a we have a big week this week. Uh, tomorrow night we'll have Bradley Stadler on. Uh, fantasy data guy, really, really sharp. Also doing some great work with Best Bell. Uh, then we're going to have the FFPC main event uh, champions from last year joining us in the district. It's Dom Baragni, uh, Nick Costantino, and Sean Stutzman. They shipped the entire main event. We're going to have those three guys on for a tailgate on Thursday night. It's the last week for uh, regular season for some leagues. Um, and it's, it's a big playoff week uh, in FFPC. Uh, last week in NFFC, so it's great to have those high-stakes guys back in the district. And then Thursday, we have Adam Levitan of Establish the Run. He came on this summer. The show was fire, uh, so we're going to go back at it and kind of talk about things we've learned and talk some league winners uh, with Adam Levitan. Thank you, Theo. Thank you, Pat. Thanks for tuning in, guys. The chat was live. We appreciate you. If you're not joining the chat, make sure you tune in. When we drop these things live, we'll answer your questions. Hope you guys get all the points you need tonight, man, to get that W. Hope you get to the next round. We'll check you all later. Goat district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash offers the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Good show, fellas. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. That was fun. That was fun. No, anytime, anytime, hanging anytime. Out. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to throw – we, we got to get you on with the with the guitar next time. Get a little – everybody's asking for it. All day today, even our listener league, all the guys were asking, is Pat's going to bring the guitar tonight, right? We're like, I don't think so, man. It's only an hour, you know? It was a tie for me between uh, between Pat and then Mike Leone's uh, rap. About oh, that's, isn't that funny that came out like the same day? It was incredible. It was incredible. It was like, you know, you know everybody kind of gets stagnant this time of the year and then – you know, two hits come out. I think he's got, <laughs> to, he's got, to, re, he's got to retire the, uh, the Tyrion Davis Price one. Uh, I was wrong on that one too. I it's Jordan Mason, but yeah, maybe he'll I come know. up with like a really good Jordan Mason rap. Yeah, there you go, uh, dude. The the rap, the one you saw, I'm sure you guys saw the one with Levitan and uh, the Devonte Adams trade. All of the no, of the, I didn't see that one. The they they drop so much so much good stuff with like the videos and stuff over there. It's unbelievable. Make sure to check out before you guys have them on. It's it's 
like the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. They they uh because when he said from a real life perspective, he was like, This Devontae Adams trade is a joke. And all the Raiders fans went nuts and were just like torching him. And then he posted, I forget, I guess what was it the loss of the Jaguars or some embarrassing loss that they had? They posted um uh like what what's the name of saying it's like y'all gonna hate me now or whatever that uh 90s rap song was. Uh it's it's fucking hilarious. Sorry, Theo, I had you on mute because you're echoing. There you go. We'll definitely good. check that one out. We'll definitely check that one out. Yeah, you get you guys are dropping some good stuff, man. Fantasy and and musically. So keep it coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm gonna uh, run, but 